hosting the Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. For the latest news and information about technology. It's fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. It gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And that's right, Two Blokes Talking Tech. My name's Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Joining me each and every week, Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. G'day, mate. G'day, Trevor. How are you going? I'm well, and I should explain that I've I've made the trip back home from CES, but you, frankly, just love the United States so much. You've stuck around, uh, and I was I follow you on Facebook and Twitter, and I noticed basically you've been at Universal Studios playing on rides with your brother. <laughs> yeah, we have. We've had a lot of fun here, mate. We're doing uh, a little bit of work here. Yeah, uh, you're like teenagers. Fair dinkum. Teenagers, mate, and you're teenagers. Well. You will all, uh, everything will be revealed in the not-too-distant future, Trevor, but no, we have had a bit of fun as well. Very good. It's all thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au, proud sponsors and supporters of Two Blokes Talking Tech. Lots to talk about post-CS. Let's get into it. Now, some ungodly hour this morning, our time, and probably a Decent hour your time. Facebook today had a big uh, press conference, and um, it was one of those press conferences that, that had a lot of hype surrounding it because we didn't know what it was going to be, and they actually put out a, a cryptic invite, not quite as excitingly cryptic as an Apple one, but in the end, Zuckerberg got up in front of a, a crowd of media and analysts and all those kind of things and announced um, what was uh, mostly mooted in, in, in most of the good tech press, that they, they are revealing a, a new product called Search or Graph Search. Now, forget the word graph because it really only applies to developers and things like that who understand what the graph concept around Facebook is. But essentially, they're, they're creating a whole new search application. So the little blue bar at the top of your Facebook screen slowly over time, and it could take a year, I reckon, um, will become a search box. You click there and you, you say, uh, restaurants near me or restaurants that my friends like near me or restaurants in LA that my friends like. And basically, it uses your question uh, and it takes all the Facebook data they've got about restaurants, films, food, whatever it might be, and it joins it with your social um, team, as in your friends and your family and people you you have acquaintances with, and it tries to give you recommendations that will suit you. It's actually pretty exciting, mate. Yeah, I think so. It's, a I think, a very handy way to search through your own network. It's like a search of your own network. So Facebook is not going to be putting Google out of business in the search territory. Let's get that clear. This isn't a web search. This is a search of the network that you that you're already within uh, on Facebook, um, and I think it's a really good way to tap into uh, information that your friends share. Because I think, as you know, friends are likely to uh, take recommendations from other friends, more mm. likely to use that recommendation rather than listen to advertising. So, word of mouth among friends, recommendations among friends uh, is far more uh, is listened to more often. Uh, and useful, so I think them uh, going down this path is very handy. And I like the way that you can you can even um, narrow down the search even further by uh, by country, by mm. you know, by male or female, uh, yep. and those sorts of things. So uh, it's just a really handy way to access 
information that would have otherwise taken a long time to find. And I can remember talking about this in years gone by, literally saying that search, just Google search, will improve. It will become more social because Google knows your friends too. It knows a little bit about you. And so it will help its recommendations. Its algorithms will take into account these things. So Facebook's really taken the lead on that. Now, you said it won't take Google out of business, and that's true. But if you think about the amount of time people spend in Facebook, uh, and and you know the mm. fact that a lot of people have it as their default homepage, it is quite possible that you know Google will see over time a small drop in traffic because there is a default. Um, if there's no uh, outcome within Facebook for you to search the web, and you get Bing search results within the Facebook page, so yeah. you know yeah, if, if people start to live their lives a little bit more in Facebook, and I don't mean in terms of what they say, I just mean in terms of that becomes your homepage, then. And, you know, Google will suffer a small hit, I think, not a great one, in in search traffic. But over time, as people start to use this more, perhaps think about what what Facebook knows. It knows what links are popular, what websites are popular, because people are sharing them and clicking on them and liking them. So that becomes their algorithm for recommending things to you. It's it's coming, it's crowdsourcing, it's it's getting info from the crowd, the people you know, the the four main areas that, that... Facebook's uh, mentioned were people, photos, places, and interests. Yeah. So that information is at your fingertips. And you've got to remember, there's more than a billion users on Facebook and more than a trillion connections. So there's that's a lot to search from. That's mm. almost as big as the internet anyway. Exactly. And another interesting stat to remember too is that people accessing Facebook uh, last year Actually, they had more generated more traffic than people searching, uh, doing performing Google searches. So, mm. in terms of traffic, it's there for Facebook. Uh, social networking is now the number one use of the internet, overtaking porn. I think is the number one <laughs> use of, of, of the internet uh, and, and and search. So, um, it, it is it is going to be attractive to a lot of people. But I still think though, Google aren't going to go out of business. Overnight, they're no, still no. going to be there. No. Um, this is just going to maybe uh, change people's search habits, not end their Google search habits. That's right. And this is just another great revenue stream for Google for, for Facebook. But they also do need to apply this to, to their mobile applications pretty quickly because mobile is a huge part, something like sixty percent of their uh, of their regular use base. But you know, eleven million people in Australia regularly use Facebook on on at least a monthly basis. Yeah, that's remarkable. That's half the population. That's exactly. incredible. But um, um, graph search, I think, is, is going to roll out slowly don't forget it's only in beta yep. so i think what's going to happen is that you can actually go to uh, a, a website with that i've actually listed at the bottom of my tech guide story facebook.com forward slash graph search to put yourself uh, forward to be to use the product yep. but i think what they're going to do they're going to roll it out really slowly just to sort of perfect the product before it's it's properly uh, properly released in its in its final form so yep. uh, stay tuned i think it's going to be Interesting to see how this one works out. I also think there may be, uh, I hope this isn't, isn't the case, but there may be a bit of a privacy issue. Like, mm. Is there a way, uh, will there be a way for us to not be searchable? Like, will, Can you even switch that off so that you don't come up in people's searches? Uh, I think that's something that people are going to be wondering about as well. Well, yeah, and here's an interesting one. Uh, you know, the the whole idea of sharing your content only with friends is a really important thing, I think, on Facebook, and it's a privacy setting everyone should set. But even if a friend then searches, I saw an example, and uh, The Verge is a pretty pretty well, uh, well-run tech website, and I, I recommend the video they did. And just a subtle little thing, which they didn't make a big deal out of, but once you search for films my friends like, um, you can actually narrow it down or even change the word films to something else. And there's a thing there, something about political views. 
And it's like, hang on a minute, so I can search through my friends for, you know, left and right leaning? You know, this could get a bit interesting. So I don't think it's the last we'll hear about the uh, the privacy issues around Facebook search, but that's the nature of Facebook. When you have this much information, you are always going to be the target of privacy concerns and questions. We'll just have to wait and see how that pans out. And as Stephen said, if you want more information about Facebook graph search and you want to sign up for the, for the trial, don't hold too much hope out, but you may as well sign up anyway. You can do that on the story that Stephen has at Tech guide.com.au Two Blokes Talking Tech You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, we still are in our post-CES period. Uh, mm. It's only been uh, less than a week since CES has come to a close. Uh, I think it was a, a quite a successful show. It, it was, uh, again, I think a case of more uh, evolutionary rather than a revolutionary show. A yep. lot of products that we, that we know that already exist uh, were released in even better, brighter, faster forms. Uh, but I think we might take this opportunity, Trevor, to maybe look back on our, mm. our, our favourite products from the show. Definitely. Uh, for me, I think it's very hard to go past the 4K televisions uh, and, and or ultra-high-definition TVs, as they're otherwise known. Yep. Um, I, I've always been a big fan of a big screen, but seeing the 86-inch uh, the Samsung ultra-high-definition TV was a highlight. Uh, as was seeing the OLED screens too. I think the mm-hmm. OLEDs, especially the curved OLEDs <clears throat> that Samsung and LG had, were probably among the top two. Yep. But I think among the best of the best, I think, at the show was actually on the Sony stand. I think I mentioned this on last week's podcast, the 4K OLED. So you've got added expense for a 4K, added expense for the fact that it's OLED. It's uh, going to cost a lot of money, that TV, but boy, is it clear. I think uh, while on TVs, I'll mention two things, and I know that one of them you absolutely support, both of them at, at Samsung. Um, the Samsung Dual View OLED is stunning. It's a fantastic idea. We talked about it last week. The idea of sitting on the couch with a mate or a partner, whatever it is, and watching something completely different, hearing something completely different, and being able to switch between those two things uh, separately, as as a as a duo sitting on the lounge with with glasses on and, and headphones in, is just bloody brilliant as an idea. So just as a, as you say, as an evolutionary idea, I think that stands out to me as something that was well proven uh, at CES. And the other one from Samsung, which um, was announced you know six months ago when they released the 2012 TVs in Australia, uh, I remember them explaining this, and it just came to fruition. You know, at CES, really the expansion pack, the ability to take a, a box and pay a couple of hundred bucks for a little little box and whack it into your TV and not only get the latest software and interface, but, you know, with the Samsung's, get a quad-core processor that, that, yes. that basically then overpowers the processor that's already in the TV. That is brilliant, and it's going to yeah, really build I brand agree. loyalty. That's, that's in my to- in, on my list as well, the Evolution kit. Yep. Um, but I'm going to name another product. It's a smartphone. I was very impressed with the Sony Xperia Z. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be a very popular phone... Sony uh, has, I think, struggled a little bit in the Android space since they sort of ditched the, the Ericsson part of their name and gone to Sony Mobile. Mm. Uh, with this, we thought 2012 was going to be the year where they really hit the ground running, uh, but they kind of fell behind Samsung and HTC and Motorola. Uh, but I think the, the Xperia Z, I think they've, they've, made, they've, hit the, they've hit the mark with that product and the fact that the company is finally all on the same page, contributing technology to the device, like a great screen, a great camera, connectivity with other Sony products, 
uh, they're going to try to take a, a leaf out of the Samsung book where all of their products can interact and talk to each other in a really easy and, and uh, uh, fun way. Mm. I think that, that that could be, this could be the breakthrough they've been looking for. So, yeah, I was very impressed with that. I had a yep. hands-on uh, play with the Xperia Z, which I'm going to publish on Tech Guide later this week. I, I really uh, think that that's one to watch in 2013. Well, I'll tell us, let's talk smartphones. I um, I think uh, credit to Rosalind Kogan for the Kogan Agora, and even forgetting its its blockbuster feature of dual SIM card access. Um, I just think for 150 bucks, you are getting everything you could want in a smartphone, probably except for maybe a thinner form and maybe a better screen. Um, but essentially, this thing does everything you could want it to do as an average user. And I think the absolute majority of people are average users and would not be disappointed by that phone. And for $150, Absolutely. Uh, it's lunacy. No, no, this, is, this is a device you get a lot of bang for your buck. I, I, that's what I like about the Kogan mm. products is they don't claim to be the best. No. They claim to be what they are, good value products. You know, you're not going to get an AMOLED screen. You're not going to get 4G. You know, it, this is, it is what it is. For the price, you're getting a good product. Now, it, it's, it's like a Hyundai compared to a Mercedes-Benz. Basically, they do the same thing. The Mercedes-Benz might have a nicer finish, a nicer ride, but at the end of the day, they both do the same thing. Yep. That's how I compare the Kogan phone to the, these more, more expensive smartphones from Samsung and Apple and all these other companies. Mm. So um, if anyone's if anyone just wants a phone to be a phone, then the Kogan's fine. It's yeah. just like those people who just want a car to get from A to B. They buy that cheaper car. They're not going to spend big money. Yep. For those who fawn over their car that want this, the luxury, want those extra features, then there's a there's products for them out there. But I think mm. for what it is, Kogan's smartphone, great value. And I'll tell you something funny. Uh, Rosalind and I have a bit of a love-hate relationship. He, uh, he hates it when, <laughs> I, um, when I'm honest about what I think of his TVs. I, I, you know, I think they're great TVs, but my standard line, and I've used this a few times, to be honest, on A Current Affair when we've talked about TVs, and they ask me, what would I buy a Kogan TV? I say, I think it's a great quality TV for the second bedroom, um, but you know, it's not my lounge room choice. And he, he came up to me, uh, we, were, we were out with him on Thursday night, and he came up to me and I said, well done on the phone, mate, bloody good job. And he goes, perfect second choice for a phone, really? And I just thought, you know what, mate, that's that's the respect I like because he goes, you know what, I'm not trying to compete here with Samsung. I'm not. I'm, I'm just trying to put out a phone because there's a market nah, for a cheap phone. Not. Yeah, well, mate, if he tried to compete with Samsung, he'd lose. Well, exactly. I mean, he, know, he knows the deal. He, yeah. he, he's playing to his strengths. He knows so, there's a lot of people out there looking for value and he's delivering it. Simple so, as that. So let's move on to, to health and fitness. And I think um, it's a stupid little product, but it stood out to me. And I really, really, I don't think I've ever wanted to try a product so much as this. Um, it's the iBits pedometer, I-B-I-T-Z. Um, and hopefully it'll get Australian distribution this year. But just a simple little pedometer, you whack it on your shoe, whack it on your on your belt, whatever it is. And as and as an adult, yep, it links up with your smartphone. It gives you graphs and things. But it's not that that interests me. It's the it's the kids version. And I've got an iPod Touch in the house, and I really want to see whether it makes my son think more about exercise. Think more about active activity, and it doesn't mean going for a run around the block because my son's not going to do that. But if it means, you know, my son does stupid things like running in the house, just back and forward, and it's just silly. But if it made him realise that doing that was good for him, you know, because he's not going to learn that from yeah. his fat dad, then no, maybe I, I, maybe yeah. the iPod and and having a game. Yeah. I I think that there were there are a lot of products like that. we've already seen the Fitbit. Yep. Uh, the, I think um, Withings had had one as well. Yep. Uh, the one, the the the, the eye bits as well. 
these are all activity trackers that's, uh, that are just clip onto your shirt, clip onto your belt, uh, and just keep track of during the day. And I think the fact that a lot of people, um, they feel a little bit competitive with them, so trying to get more mm. steps or more calories burned in a single day, they can even compete against other people, set challenges. That, that's only going to encourage people to get out and about and move. It's going to give them some motivation, uh, give them incentive to do that. And, and I agree with you. If there's a kid's version, make a game out of it. Uh, and, and they don't know. It's like when you give them a, a, an app to, for that they actually have a lot of fun with, but they're actually learning things at the same time. The, 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 that's the sort of same thing with these products where they don't realize it's a game. They're just trying to rack up the steps, rack up the calories burned, not knowing they're actually getting some exercise. Yeah, and that's this is the thing. Gamifying exercise for kids is going to be a really important thing. So that, that, was, that was a cracker for me. What, anything specific in the health category that, that uh, took your interest? Uh, well, I... I- so I stopped by the Eye Health um, stand, which we mentioned them last week. True. Yep. I, I think that the whole category in general, not just one product, the whole category is really moving forward. Uh, I had a chat with uh, Gary Shapiro, the, the head of the CEA, and when I asked him what his highlights, what, what, what he's looking forward to seeing, that was the first thing he mentioned. He said, eHealth, uh, technology helping people uh, maintain and monitor their health is mm. something that's going to just grow and grow year on year. And that was something that he was very excited about. And I think that section next year, Trevor, when we're there for the 2014 CES, mm. that section I think is going to be double or triple Absolutely. the size. Yep. There's going to be so much movement in that area. Well, let me let me tell you one other thing um, that, that impressed me uh, broadly. And we talked about wireless being the, the 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 2013 for audio. There'll be no more cables. And I actually don't remember whether we mentioned this greatly last week, but I was really impressed with a technology called Soundflow. Uh, and I found it in an RCA clock radio. RCA is just a brand these days under a bigger company. But this Soundflow is basically it's a it's a dock on on a let's call it a clock radio for this example. But it's not a plug dock. It's not specific to any mobile phone it's just a space where you sit your phone down and um you've got the clock radio on you sit your phone on it while you're playing while it's playing music and the music comes out of the speaker in the clock radio now it's just it's kind of mind-blowing to think i don't have to pair my phone by bluetooth i don't have to pair my phone by wi-fi it just works because sound remember is just waves it's just vibrations so through technology in the speaker it's coming through and it's making it louder now that's in itself that's pretty cool but this is a $29 clock radio. And so for a cool piece of technology to be in a $29 clock radio, that's exciting. And let me tell you, I've spoken to a couple of uh, uh, manufacturers or importers in Australia, and this technology will be in radios in Australia this year. It's on the roadmap. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I think the the promise of the, like, that ease of connection that you just described is what's going to create at the connected home in 2013, that ease of use, something that my parents can use, something anybody can use to make it that simple, that's what a, yeah. That's the stage we had to reach mm. to make this a reality. We, we could always connect stuff wirelessly, got to get on the same network, switch DLNA, find the thing on the network. It was just too complicated and people couldn't be bothered. Yep. But now with appliances that could talk to each other, uh, you know, content on your phone you want to share on your TV, uh, you know, Apple hit it hit the mark with AirPlay. Now, now it, it, this one touch NFC, that one touch connection, that's what's going to make wireless king. It's going to make the connected home even easier now. Uh, and finally, we're going to get what was has been promised for many years. Thanks to that. 
Uh, I'll only mention one more product, and then we'll wrap up and talk about other things. But I, I did, I did like the um, uh, the G Shock watch from Casio with just very basic Bluetooth yeah, connectivity. That was good. Um, and I've confirmed uh, this week that uh, that'll be available in Australia on February eight uh, for two hundred ninety nine dollars and two hundred sixty nine for the second version, which is a little bit pricey compared to the US. But uh, hey, if you want it, it's available and it'll be around on February eight. So I was really well, impressed with that because it was you'll basic. You'll be able to buy it online a bit cheaper, Trevor. I think there'll be a few people hitting Amazon to get that one a bit cheaper. Even with the shipping costs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> any any last product from you, mate? Before we move on. Uh, no, I think we've covered it pretty yeah. well, mate. That was uh, they, were, they were the highlights. Think, no, no, there is one more. The, the LG. Um, the I'm really impressed with that short throw projector, the laser TV. Yeah. I had a bit more of an in depth report about that on Tech Guide. That is something I'm keen to see, uh, keen to trial in in sort of more home like ideal conditions. Oh, Out yeah. of the stand, oh, where yeah. it was very bright, <laughs> you still had a decent picture, full HD, 100 inch screen. It projected from only 56 centimeters away from the wall. Uh, it still looked very impressive, but I'm keen to sort of get that into into an environment where you can control the lighting, uh, and I'm really keen to see the quality of that image, which I'm I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing and expecting to be slightly better than it was on the stand. Uh, message to Lambro. Stephen's expecting that at the Tech Guide headquarters. Uh, Don't worry, I've told him that already, mate, several <laughs> times. He knows the deal there. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. And it's all thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. If you want anything to do with wireless communications and technology in your home, Netgear have you covered. They've got some great products out there, including some of the greatest and fastest in uh, the latest uh, wireless technologies, including Wireless AC, which is the super fast new technology. Plus, they've got some great products announced at CES, including a simple, very small little uh, camera that you can use either for baby monitoring, you could use it for surveillance, you can use it for whatever you want. With full internet connectivity, you can monitor it from anywhere in the world. Netgear are the leaders in, uh, in networking technologies. If you've got devices in your home, your smartphone, your tablet, your computer, your TV that connect to the internet, they should connect through Netgear because Netgear gives you the speed and reliability you need. Netgear, the leaders in uh, network technologies. Netgear.com.au you're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, mate, uh, Foxtel today announced um, an improvement to the uh, Foxtel Go application, and uh, it's a pretty good one because it's going to allow you to uh, to also watch movies on the go. Now, um, they've actually it's kind of an interesting one in terms of timing because there is some conjecture, and it's probably just you know the old uh, rumor mongers, but there is some conjecture they've done this, they've added this because they're copying a bit of flack over the way they've changed their movie. Lineup, but um, they're saying as part of an ongoing program to extend Foxtel Go, they've added an extensive range of new films, and um, the 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 movie channels is 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 essentially what they're going to do there. So the ability to actually flick in and and watch movies on demand is a pretty darn exciting thing for uh, for existing yeah. subscribers. Absolutely, yeah. I think that this this app has made people value their Foxtel subscription even more, mm. and now the fact you can access even more content, the movies, on the go. Uh, it's just made it even better. Now, we should point out that this is only an iPad-only application mm-hmm. at the time. So I'll work on the iPad. We'll work on the iPad mini. I understand they're working on an Android version, but uh, let's face it, more, most the more iPads sold than any other tablet in the world. That's it. So it's good to go to the greater, the biggest audience first. But just on the movies themselves, the channels, you're right, there was a bit of flack when all the movies channels changed on January 1 
And what basically they've done is Fox have grouped the movies into various categories. So I think it's example, very smart. Showcase is, is obviously is the, the the station from the uh, uh, from the US, where a lot of um, home box office uh, and other TV programs and movies uh, are, are, just, are shown. But the other channels basically describe the sort of movies that you're going to be watching there, like premiere, action, adventure, comedy, drama, romance, family, thriller, crime, and masterpiece. So they've re- reflected those channels again on the Foxtel Go app. Hmm. So being able to kick back and watch a movie in- anywhere using your this application, which I think is, is uh, I named it my app of the year on the, the Tech Guide Best of 2012, uh, really uh, is a, such a handy service. But you've got to remember too, it does chew through your uh, data if you are using it on 3G, 4G. Uh, so if you're going to watch a long movie, this could have an impact on your data plan. Otherwise, get yourself into a Wi-Fi hotspot uh, and enjoy. Yeah, and remember, it's about 300 meg on, on 3G and it's about 800 meg per hour on Wi-Fi. So even if you're at home and you've got to watch your limit because you don't, if you don't have a big limit. But, you know, comedy, you've got Coming to America, Dodgeball, uh, Family, you've got Puss in Boots and uh, We Bought a Zoo and The Smurfs. There's some good movies there. Um, it's all on demand, so you can click and watch whenever you want. It's a great simple addition to Foxtel Go, which is a, a cracker of an app in terms of getting value for your Foxtel subscription. So yeah. check well, that out. I've got Fox at my, my place, mate, and this is going to be handy because... We only have one Foxtel box at home, uh, and often it's the it's my kids or my wife watching something of theirs. So this is a great, great option that if you do have uh, the Foxtel Go app on your iPad and you want to just relax with the movie somewhere else, because you, you've got to remember, you can watch the uh, movie on your iPad, for example, and if you do have Apple TV, you can beam that movie to the through the Apple TV, so you are watching it on a TV anyway. Mm. Uh, it, it's... Uh, it saves me having to buy a second box. It's a very handy way to watch Foxtel movies. Fantastic stuff. Foxtel Go. If you're a Foxtel subscriber, make sure you've got a username and password and download that app straight away. Now, uh, we've spoken on the program about a company called TCL. They're uh, a Chinese brand that's entered Australia they're the number one brand in China for TVs uh, and other products. In fact, I was I- interested. Uh, I was uh, not, was found found out at the show that the, another claim to fame for TCL is the fact they're the world's biggest manufacturer of Blu-ray disc players. Mm. Now, TCL uh, there are, aren't too many branded TCL uh, Blu-ray disc players, but they actually make Blu-ray disc players for Sony and other companies. So they OEM uh, all, all their technology uh, and and create for other companies. So I found that as an interesting fact. But in terms of their TV approach for 2013, uh, you and I both had a look through their stand. I've had a chance to have a chat with uh, with their representatives here, in, even in Los Angeles. I met up with Nick Redman, their head of sales here in Australia, and their Australian MDs. Curiously, we met up at uh, in, in on Hollywood Boulevard the day after the Chinese theatre was renamed mm. the TCL Chinese Theatre. That's yeah. apparently an eight-year deal that cost the company $5 million. So the, the brand is really going to get some exposure there. But Nick really described the company in a very interesting way. He said it's probably the biggest brand you've never heard of. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's probably true here in Australia. Uh, they are actually climbing the ranks in the TV market. They were young, number seven a year ago. They're now number four uh, uh, in front of even companies like Sony and Toshiba. 
paper here in Australia. So they are growing rapidly. And, I, and if, from what I saw on the stand, they've got some interesting technology. They've got a Blade TV that's only 11 millimetres thick and they've got an ultra-high definition 84-inch, uh, sorry, 65-inch panel coming through that's going to be really competitively priced once it comes onto the market later this year. Yep, and I think bottom line, impressive quality stuff, uh, good-looking stuff, and they, they're keen to, to, to take market share but not be the, the winner. They, they know where they stand. They're the fifth biggest TV manufacturer in the world in terms of um, uh, market sales, but in Australia they're probably down in eight or nine, and they want to they jump up there, and I think they'll do that. I don't know what their target is, but I reckon they'll do that within 18 months. Um, it's it's a really simple thing to do when you start branding yourself well, you start marketing your brand well, and you've got good quality. And this is going to sound stupid, but good quality looking products. And they do. Their products look really nice. So, um, look, Yeah, I think though the challenge though is at the retail level and the customer level, of course, for you know made in China. Uh, a lot of people might turn their nose up to that fact to think, well, made in China means it's not as good quality. But I think TCL have proven if you do stand in front of one of their TVs, they do stack up as well uh, as all these major brands. Mm. Uh, I think it's at this retail level where customers are just going to have to trust trust their judgment and also have a look at the price. The value that they're offering on average is about 20% percent cheaper uh in in the same same size tv for example some even more even cheaper than that uh in some cases up to 40 50 percent cheaper than their competitors so uh you know i think the the quality you're going to see in 2013 with things like embedded google tv uh touch screen tvs with windows 8 machine built into it they've got these interactive uh, features they had a, a kid's storybook that can connect to the tv and the child can read along with a with an interactive pen on the on the book uh, these are things I've, I've written in my report on Tech Guide, uh, and their range of TVs uh, available in various sizes, like for up to 55 inches uh, in some, and also uh, the 3D smart TV, offering the whole lot LED TV. So feature for feature, matching the other competitors, uh, and, and, but at, at a more quality price. And as I said, you'll see the quality of the product if you do stand in front of it. The picture quality is pretty good too. Good stuff. TCL, check them out. And Stephen's written a few stories about them at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, we've run out of time, but I just wanted to give a plug for Global Gig. Um, both you and I were supplied with uh, Global, Global Gig, uh, Global Roaming uh, um, Wi-Fi hotspots, which we talked about a few weeks ago. A very simple product that works here in Australia on the Optus network, uh, in America on the Sprint network, and in the UK as well on the O2, I think it is, network. And essentially, it's just a standard Wi-Fi hotspot. You pay nine, like $29 for a gig of data here in Australia. And when you arrive in America, you don't pay more. It's just the same plan, the same amount of data and you get to keep using it. And I was pretty impressed with it, mate. Um, a couple of quick things. Battery life, not brilliant. Probably three and a half, four hours at best. And also a little bit confusing because you turn it on, the lights come on, you think it's connected, but in your device, your phone, for example, will connect to it via Wi-Fi, but you don't get internet connectivity. It probably takes two or three minutes for it to kind of fire up and get on the internet. But once you realize those things, this is a bloody handy little thing to have in your back pocket. Absolutely, yeah. I was carrying it around in my bag at CES, uh, and you're right, battery life was about three. I think got four hours out of, out of the battery life. Um, when it was on 3G, it worked well. Uh, it was very hard to see. Like out in the daylight, the actual uh, the display on the front of the device, the, the small global the hotspot, 
was very hard to read in mm. bright sunlight, so I didn't know whether it was 2G, 3G, or whether it was on at all. Uh, but my biggest complaint about the global gig was how hot it got. It got oh, so yeah. warm. I, I used to carry it around in my jacket pocket, and it I was like a hot that. water bottle. I could have warmed my bed up at night with this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could have cooked an egg on it sometimes. It got quite hot. Did you find that as I well? I did. You know, it's a good point. I actually had it in my pocket at one point and kind of forgot it was there. And then I was in the car, yeah, with it on. And because you're sitting down in the car, you, you know, your pockets become tighter, closer to you. It was, oh, my goodness, quite intense. So, yeah, good point. Uh, it's not the kind of thing you want to keep on your person. Probably best to keep in your bag. Um, but broadly... You know, a great device for the price, just stunning um, simplicity for if you're a traveler into the US or UK, um, it should be your default. And if you've got a big business uh, of any scale with travelers in it, just buy a few of them and, and have them, you know, take take them as they go. You don't need one for everyone. Just fantastic way to save money and get on the internet from day one yeah, overseas. Yeah, you won't come home to a massive bill. We don't want that. This no. is offers pretty good value. Uh, you just need to recharge it a few times, though, during the day if you're going to get out and about, but uh, otherwise, a pretty good product. All right, mate, thanks for the chat, and uh, we will be back next week with uh, Two Blokes Talking Tech. You have a safe trip home, mate, and uh, we'll look forward to more stories from you from America and more follow-up CES stories at techguide.com.au. Thanks, mate. We'll talk to you next week, Trevor. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.